Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Good afternoon, everyone. I am going to jump right in. I am a big fan of starting on time and ending on time. And just to frame this, I want to thank everyone who is at the presentation. Uh, and I also want to thank those people who have been in the last few. This is the third in a series. It's going to be another one tomorrow. And then I've got some announcements I'm going to make uh, definitely tomorrow, maybe even later today on how I'm going to continue this because the feedback has been very solid and uh, things are changing around us. Uh, so let's just jump right in. This is about a 20 to 25 minute presentation. Uh, if you want to ask questions, there is time for that at the end. You can either put them in the chat if you're familiar with using this technology uh, or you can email them to me and I'll, I'll explain how to do that in a second. Title this presentation, Structure in the Chaos, How to Create an At-Home Environment that Enables Children to Learn Effectively. It's kind of a provocative title. I get it. I didn't mean it to be um, you know, sort of annoying, <laughs> but uh, I think the idea was everybody was really blindsided by what happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think I need to get into detail on that. And, and uh, it really, nobody knew what was going on. So my goal was very simple. As a lifelong educator, I am trying to give parents, students, families information that they can use to set up structure that will help them with in-home learning. I'm recording this. If anybody's uncomfortable with that, uh, you can log out and I'll get you the recording later. Uh, and what's, this is an opinion-based piece. I am not stating anything here as gospel fact or dogmatic truth. Uh, I'm basing this on my experience, what I've recently learned speaking with people in the educational field, and I believe it's true at the moment. So things are changing. Uh, again, there'll be questions at the end. Uh, you can put them in the chat feature or you can email them to me and I'll try to monitor uh, my phone and, and see what comes in. So let's get into it. Um, and again, this is a live presentation. It's geared for parents with children on home study, basically due to the social distancing that's been mandated due to the recent virus outbreak. And things are just changing. I put this slide in yesterday. This was not in Monday's presentation. Um, recently, public schools were going to be shut down for two weeks. That's now been extended to four. That may go longer. We'll see. Good news is a lot of the public schools are starting virtual work Monday. We'll see how long they're going to stay virtual before they go back live. The AP program, they're just not sure what to do. Huge thing, especially for seniors in high school. Um, they're kind of changing this day to day. So er everybody in the field is doing what they can do. My objectives here are pretty simple. I want to address commonly asked questions. As soon as this hit and schools started shutting down, everything went into a crisis mode. Uh, I was getting phone calls and texts and emails. And a lot of them had the same questions and concerns. So my thought was rather than talk to everybody one at a time, Simply set up something like this, use it as an informational thing. It could be dynamic. It doesn't have to be the same every time. And this is going to be different than the one that was on Monday. 
Uh, I'm going to give you a lot of suggestions that you can Im immediately implement in your home setting and also try to give you some ongoing channels for support. My name's Steve Green. I have a tutoring education company. I'm based outside of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. I'm tutoring a long time, <laughs> uh, 24 years, private tutoring before that and overlapped a little bit. Uh, I was a classroom teacher and a college instructor. I've written a book called Maxim Education. And, and some of the things I'm going to talk about today are from the book, some of the structural and management uh, information and time management pieces. I host the Maxim Education podcast, which has is based on a lot of the things in the book. And it's all about giving parents and students actions that they can put into place immediately in their education. And I also have an online success community that I, I do a lot of the same things with. So my mission in my professional life is to help students succeed and to help parents to help students to succeed. So let's, let's go. Uh, it's been a crazy period of time, uh, not just educationally, across the board, socially, financially. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a mess. So School's closed. Parents are home. They don't know what to do. The kids are bored. The kids are complaining. As I said before, people are reaching out with questions. So for efficiency, for speed, I decided to do this series. So here are the most commonly asked questions. And again, this is a, a dynamic thing. This is different than it was a few days ago. Virtual, basically, best practices for virtual learning. What do we do? Asynchronous versus synchronous learning. I'll get into that. That's newer how to create an effective home environment home, question number two, to co-teach or not to co-teach, best uses of online resources, and how do I get short and long-term support? Number five was the most commonly asked question, six, number two, and three, number three. <laughs> anyway, so number one, virtual learning. First of all, virtual learning, let's define it. It would be when a child is learning but they're not in a school setting. I, I'm not saying that is the only definition, uh, but that's the, for the purposes of this presentation. There's a disconnect between where the teaching is happening. Uh, in other words, not in a classroom with a teacher administering it to whatever 15, 20, 30 children and the student taking it in, processing it, taking notes and so on. So anything that's happening without that direct touch, uh, I'm going to call virtual learning. But my key, I think, to, on the parent end is to have a plan and to create projects. Some of this is going to be driven by the schools. If you're in a situation where your school is still providing work and they're providing deadlines, this is a lot easier to do. Uh, many people are not in that circumstance. They're in this kind of vacuum waiting for this to relaunch, presumably Monday the 30th. Uh, I'm going to talk about a project I did with a kid. I had a parent come to me and said, listen, I, there's nothing going on. My kids are bored all day. They're playing video games all day, you know, the usual complaints. Um, and this is a student I work with. So I got with the student. I said, look, they wanted me to do something to keep them engaged. Kid was complaining, oh, they, I don't want it to work. School's out. Nah, 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 nah. I said, look, we're going to do something, but I'm going to make it easy for you. Let's do something you want to do. What do you want to learn about? Well, I like baseball. Great. So we did a whole multimedia project and a multi-topical project about baseball. And we included everything we could think of, history of baseball, science of baseball, the physics, the math, 
the language because many baseball players are, are from South America and the, the Latin, Latin, Hispanic companies, countries, or, or Europe or Asia. Uh, we talked about uh, the, the other things like this. It all came together technology-wise because he put it together in a slide deck using PowerPoint. And it was great. It took two days. Uh, I mean, we didn't meet two days straight, duh, but over a f- couple meetings or a few days, he took ownership of the project and he enjoyed it. And he said he actually liked it. So we did a second one uh, about cars. <clears throat> That's this child's other interest. So my point is here, if you make it fun and you make it interesting for the child and you give them input, I think you can come up with some really neat things. It's it's kind of like the old sort of historically traditional homeschooling thing, where if you wanted to learn about art, you went to the art museum. Uh, I think logic would tell you the older the child, the more independence and the more input you'd want them to have. This baseball project would not have worked with a second grader. Uh, the child I'm speaking of was an eighth. Uh, certainly anybody older than that and even a little younger could have handled it. I would use technology where it's appropriate. Uh, technology's not going away. Pretty much every student I work with in my private tutoring practice uh, is using technology, whether it's a Chromebook, a computer, a tablet, whatever. All the homework is based online. A lot of it's turned in online. So I don't think you need to shy away from technology. I would probably suggest using it in a similar ratio as it's being used anyway. Uh, But it may be a good time to bring back in some of the traditional things that kind of got lost, like reading a book, like actually writing things down in a journal things like that. I have a student I've been working with the last couple weeks. We just, she's been journaling and she's really into creative writing. Uh, she wants to be a journalism major. So I said, look, you can have like a diary and then maybe you can publish it or blog about it or podcast about it. So, you know, there are opportunities to, to leverage some of these things in kind of a educational sense that might go beyond education. The last thing I think you want to think about is how tied to the school curriculum do you want to be? So in other words, regardless of what your grade level is, there was a point where when school stopped, where school was. In other words, um, math was at a certain point, topically, curriculum-wise, science, English, history, whatever. Uh, You could just research it. If if you were learning about rectangles and math, do a little research on it. See what would come next. What are some applications of it? So you can use what was already there as a launching point. So these are some ideas for the way and the topics you can do with virtual learning. Asynchronous versus synchronous. This is kind of a hot button thing over the last few days. Uh, What these mean are pretty simple. Asynchronous means not at the same time. So for example, uh, those who are live on this webinar are experiencing it synchronously. You are doing that. We are doing this at the same time. Synchronicity. If somebody was not able to listen to this and tomorrow or tonight or later this afternoon or what have you listen to it, that'd be asynchronous. So the idea would be if I'm teaching uh, math, I'm a teacher, I may make a video of how to draw a line. And then I record it, I post it up in wherever the media is. Next day or within certain framework of time, child watches it to some degree self-instructs does an assignment to show some level of understanding. Yeah. Now, obviously, in school is synchronous. Teachers are in the room instructing. I think a lot of this online learning, by definition, is going to be asynchronous and by necessity is going to be asynchronous. It does put more pressure on the children to, to basically teach it to themselves or at least use the material 
hopefully to be able to learn it on their own. How to create an effective learning environment at home. Ah, okay. So number one, and this is a tough one if you're not used to being home with your kids. Number one, you got to have a good physical structure, okay? You have to have a good place where the work is getting done. And this is no different than it always has been. It does not make sense to do homework in the kitchen table while dinner is being cleaned up and there's noise and there's music and there's phones and there's television on and such and such. So I would create a good physical structure time-wise, temporally. I would treat this like usual homework time. I would structure it maybe between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. You're going to think of that as quote-unquote school time. Now, if you're already in situations where uh, you've got that going, then it, it might make it easier. Like right now, a lot of the people who do have learning are, are maybe in school 11 to 3, so maybe you do your homework 4 to 6. But I think this is up to the parents to define. I already touched on technology. My opinion is I would use it at the same uh, ratio, so to speak, as it's already being used in school because it is a, a research tool. The Internet is an enormously excellent research tool when used properly. As a parent, I think you want to keep records I think you want to have some accountability, but that's no different than when school is in. But I think, uh, you know, the consistency, the time of day, the amount of time is really critical, probably more so for younger children than older because a high school child is, should already be fairly used to doing this and probably didn't need a lot of oversight. Um, and then you got the independence versus dependence. I don't think it's realistic, especially when parents are stuck at home right now, for them to go off somewhere do what they got to do and expect, hey, guys, we're not come back on all your math done. You know, you got you to be a parent in this situation as well. But the key, basically, a good physical structure where work can get done, set up times where work is expected, use the technology when appropriate, keep track of it, and, and have accountability and responsibility and consequences if it isn't done. Teacher, co-teacher, not to co-teach, that is the question. Co-teaching is when more than one person, most often multiple teachers, can address students. Sometimes they'll split things. You might have a math teacher and a science teacher in a, in a fourth grade room, and then the, somebody comes in and teaches reading. Um, but what's happened is the parents, because children are at home now, to some degree are becoming co-teachers. Again, this is no different than it is if a kid's doing homework and asks you a question. Hey, mom or dad, you know, I, I've got to read this thing about Vietnam War. I don't really understand it. And you can come in and, and help them. This is no different than that. So the question is, what's the role of the parent? I think the role of the parent is exactly what it's always been, which is to help as much as you can when appropriate. What the role of the school is, is to provide the context for what needs to be learned. Now, right now, that's a little bit off the rails. It's going to come back. It will happen. Um, how it happens is a little bit up in the air, but the school should define essentially the parameters of what needs to be learned with some deadlines. Your short-term expectations, long-term ones, I don't think are that much different unless the parent has to set them themselves. So I would look at it this way, and this is kind of maximum education stuff. I would define for your children situations that you expect to be done the next day. All right, it is Wednesday. This needs to be done by tomorrow. These few math problems, this science thing, this history, this, 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 this. Okay? Then I want to think you want to also have some long-term things. Hey, we're going to read a chapter book. 
We have chapter one done Wednesday, chapter two Thursday, chapter three Friday, chapter four Monday. By next Friday, I want eight chapters done and a summary. So I think this is where the co-teaching comes in. It's not really instructional co-teaching. It's more of managerial co-teaching. Online resources. This could be a four-hour <laughs> presentation just on its own. But first of all, options available, there are many. Uh, just Google, you know, just the internet, just searches. Um, it's out. You can, you know, this is no different. YouTube, big right now. Um, just type into YouTube, how do I do a graph a line? Um, but I think the key is quality, okay? I think the key is trying to filter out what is useful, pertinent information versus what is filler. There, there's some websites I've used and I've referred students and parents to that are really good, and the, but the production's terrible. Or somewhere the production is awesome and it takes three hours to get five minutes worth of message out of it. So I, if so people have specific questions on this, I'm going to defer and say just reach out and I'll try to answer your specifics. Like I need to, my kid has to learn um, how to balance a chemical equation. Can, do you have resources for that? Self-created ones can be really good. The big ones are like Quizlet, you know, in other words, peer to peer people, students make these, they're shared um, and things like that. You got the professional paid ones. A lot of schools pay for IXL web assignments. Different schools use different things. Um, then you got free versus paid. I, I, I don't think we're going to be out of school this long that it makes sense to go buy a curriculum. I do work with homeschool families and alternative education situations where people buy a whole year curriculum for the whole school, every topic, math, science, history, whatever, Spanish, and they're costly. It doesn't make sense for two weeks or a month, um, three months possibly. But I think that my, my summation here is you're going to get what you pay for if you're going to spend money. And I think you got to be careful of the quality, but the key is to match the online resources with what you're going to use them for and what you need them for. So how do you get support? Well, number one, I think you need to create the structure. I think you need to know what you want help with uh, before you start asking for it. I have families within my tutoring where I am literally setting up a daily routine for their children. It's part of what I do. It's not what I usually do, but I can do it. So, hey, from 10 to 12, Billy's going to do this and Julie's going to do this. And from 12 to 2, we're going to take a break. And 2 to 3, we're doing this. Uh, and I'm essentially setting up kind of like a school-ish situation for them. But I think you want short-term goals. I talked about assessment. I talked about checkpoints. This should be parents monitoring and making sure that the children are doing what's expected of them. And when I say a feedback loop here, what I'm referring to is, it, are we progressing? Are you learning what you want to learn? Or are you just doing it to get it done? Now, one of the things I see a lot um, with kids is, hey, I had eight math problems for homework. I did the eight. They're done. Yeah, but did you understand it? Could you do a ninth one? Could you do a more complicated one? So I think we want to make sure the learning objectives are being met. Long-term, uh, I mean, one-on-one -on -one support, this is what I do, tutoring. There should be eventually some school-based support. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to come into play. There is a lot of online-based communities, uh, Facebook, tons of them all over the place, and I have my own community. But long-term, I think the key is going to be as this plays out, to see where the needs are and see where the gaps are and then look for support that way. I'm going to say with both of these, especially long-term one, 
uh, kind of know what you really want, try to define that before you go to get help. I'm happy to help anybody one-on-one or within my community as much as I can. So let's see if we have any questions. We are right 19 minutes. This is good. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, it's actually only one question so far, so I hope that means I'm addressing these things. Uh, the question basically is, I have a third grader, a seventh grader, and an eleventh grader. So, uh, and it's like three different situations. How do I deal with it? First of all, um, my kids were two years apart, so you know, bless you for <laughs> that kind of spread of of your kids, but. Um, I think you just, it's just a matter of definition. I think you just have to decide what's my 11th grade going to do? What are my other two going to do? And, and it basically, you're, you're not going to have three completely different plans because you can have them on the same timetable. And your structure can be similar and your time structure can be similar, but clearly your curriculum is going to be similar. Also, consider two things. One, having the older children help the younger one. Maybe the 11th grader helps the 8th grader, and the 11th grader and the 8th grader help the third grader kind of little peer to peer and make it kind of a family thing and, and try to try to find and, and again, reach out to me later on this. I can't think of anything, you know, off the cuff, but there may be things they can all do together. You know, intellectually, there may not be a huge overlap, but you make it a situation where you can do a kind of a family project. I oh, just remembered this. I had a family and they're doing a genealogy thing uh, with one of the genealogy sites online. But what they're doing is they're adding to it and taking some of the screenshots and making albums and scrapbooks and turning it into a history lesson. So it's one of these kind of lemonade out of lemon ideas, but it works because anything can be a teaching moment, right? Anything can be a teaching moment. It doesn't always have to be academic. It can be life lessons. It can be, um, you know, something beyond. Uh, The only other question I'm going to address here right now is uh, somebody's asking, once school gets back, Will this change? Well, my hope is this. I am always about, and this is a personal mission, giving people actions that they can use to support their children so their children can get the best they can be, whether that's an A or a B or whatever. It's about efficiency. It's about using systems and putting them into place and creating independence. Um, I've had some students I've worked with for many years, and it's really interesting to see them grow um, and and mature and and become more independent as we work together over time. And I encourage that. So some of these things that are happening in this kind of crisis mode are things that are needed because we need to do them right now just to keep things stable. But a lot of them are also skills that will be very, very useful and very valuable once things return to status quo, and once things get back to normal. The time management, the situational management, the structural management, the oversight by the parents, and everybody's busy. We all know that. But getting back to this could be a really good thing. So we're 22 minutes. I promise it's 20 to 25, so we're right in there. I want to thank everybody that came on. The next one of these is tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's 7 o'clock. It should be in all the emails. Uh, the replay is going to be sent out. It's also going to be posted up in the community. If you have questions, uh, you can reach out here. So here's my email, sgreen at makethegrade.net. Again, I think the next presentation like this is tomorrow. Uh, the thing I'm going to think about doing, and I just have to figure out the structure on this, is to try to do a daily uh, office hour. 
or maybe for a half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour a day if I can free it up, is just be online in an interactive forum. Anybody can come on in, ask questions. It might get a little chaotic if there's too many people, but I want to try to make myself available for that. You've got a lot of social media out there. There's, I was looking today at a Facebook group for eighth graders in a certain township that we're all working together. Um, parent support groups, all sorts of things, local, some are national. I have my own community. I would love people to get involved in that. It's it's great resource. And then again, the daily support meetups, which I'm hoping to do. I just have to figure out exactly how to make that happen, and I'll follow up with everyone on that. So I want to thank everyone. I hope, even if you get one takeaway from this that's valuable, that this has been a great use of your time. Um, I, I went quickly because there was a lot to cover, and I don't think anybody wants to sit through a two-and-a-half-hour presentation, <laughs> including myself. But um, what I didn't want to do was not answer the general questions that are coming on. And I'm continuing to evolve this and add and kind of detract or take away, whatever the right word is, uh, as the situation changes. So I appreciate everybody. Uh, if you could share this with anybody you think it'll help. I really believe the more people that get good, quality, useful information, we're all kind of helping each other. So everybody be safe. Just do what everybody's saying you do. Stay in, be careful, wash your hands. Use the, uh, you know, I got a gallon size of this somewhere too. And, you know, we'll make it through this as best that we can. So I'll see you on the next one. Thank you. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.